This episode of Please Don't Tell Anyone is brought to you by BetterHelp. What are some things that you want to keep the same about yourself in 2024? Think opposite of New Year, New You. Around New Year's, we get obsessed about what we should change about ourselves versus expanding what we're already crushing. Find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. There is nothing that has changed my life more than therapy. I have been in therapy for over 10 years, and I can honestly say that you wouldn't be listening to this podcast right now if it weren't for therapy. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash PDT today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash PDT. Do you have an unexpected story to tell or know someone who does? We'd love to have you on the pod. Please apply at please don't tell anyone pod at gmail.com or follow our application link in bio of our Instagram, please don't tell anyone pod or TikTok account. As soon as he put his hand on my throat, I was like, I'm out of here. I am done. Hey, and thanks for coming back to Please Don't Tell Anyone. I'm Molly Clark, your host, and this is the podcast where you hear unexpected stories by ordinary people. I go and blind to all my interviews so that I can hear the story firsthand just like you. Please don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell I said, please don't tell anyone. Please don't tell anyone. Don't tell I said, please don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Please don't tell anyone. Please don't tell anyone. Please don't tell anyone. Please He removed the battery from my car in an attempt to remain in control over me and harassed and threatened me for months after I finally got the courage to leave. Now I work in a field where I get to help convict abusers like him. So why don't you just start from wherever you feel is the beginning? I um, kind of made like a a little timeline situation that I'm I'm referencing back here. Perfect. You came prepared. um, You said you work in law law enforcement. Are we allowed to know that or no? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm actually recording this in my digital forensics lab right now. Oh my god. Um, yeah, so that's that's fine. I I won't be specific as to like the agency I work for, the area or anything. But um, yeah, I do work in law enforcement now, which is kind of ironic. Um, that is ironic. Yeah, but so I made this whole like little sheet that I'm looking at to reference to make sure I have my you know dates roughly perfect, um, roughly in line. But I mean some of the dates might be a little convoluted because you know you know those old ads that were like um, you know this is your brain on drugs it's like this is this is my version but this is your brain on trauma so it's a little bit uh, a little bit mixed up but the gist of it's there all right so let's see backstory it was probably december 2015 maybe november ish um but late late 2015 I had just gotten out of like my first kind of serious long-term relationship in college. I had moved to a new city, was going to school again, was kind of like, you know, new year, new me. Um, so I started going to the gym because I wanted to do the hot girl summer whenever it rolled around. Of course. Um, and was meeting a whole bunch of people there. It was this massive gym in the Central Valley. And and this is this is back when I lived in California, by the way. I'm not in California anymore. Um so when I was at the gym, I 
met this guy who was a personal trainer there. And, you know, it started off just like, you know, saying hi in passing and every now and then he'd be like, oh, that was a really good set or, you know, some comment on working out, just, you know, innocuous stuff, stupid shit. Looking back, I'm like, that was, that was so lame. Um, Let's see. So that was, that was December and it really started very slow um, as it seems most of these things do. So we started kind of chatting more regularly in January. I got his number we were kind of just texting back and forth. It was very, very casual. Um, and was it like a dating February, bug or was it that he wanted to train you? Because sometimes um, that, like, that's happened to me. Like, trainers at the gym will be like, oh, that's a great site. Mm-hmm. Here's how you should fix it. And then it's like, oh, they want you it to pay. Was, it was a little bit of both. I suspect okay. now looking back that it was kind of more of a, I'm going to pretend like I want to train you, but I want to also see if this is something that I, yes, yes. If this is something (laughs) that I can take where I want it to go. Um, so yeah, that was the vibe in January and then February we started, you know, after talking pretty regularly, it evolved to a more physical relationship. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm this great guy. Like he, uh, at the time, I thought he must have been making really good money because he had this fancy apartment and he's like driving a brand new Range Rover. And I was like, you know, living college girl dreams, basically. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, every now and then I was staying the night at his apartment. He would stay the night at mine sometimes. And one of the nights, one of the first nights that I stayed at his apartment, um, I was I asked him if I could borrow a T-shirt. He's like, oh, yeah, they're, they're in the dresser drawer over there. I'm like digging through his dresser drawer looking for a T-shirt. And I see the title to his Range Rover. And I noticed that it wasn't his name on it. It was some woman's name that I didn't know. I'm like, huh, that's kind of weird. You know, first, first little red flag that I immediately was like, no, you're being crazy. Like, this is none of your business. You need to calm the fuck down. And can I cuss on this? this Of course. I feel like I should. Whatever you want. Cause, cause I'm probably going to drop some F-bombs here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of the first little like, huh, that's weird. Um, totally ignored it. Totally talked myself out of thinking it was any sort of a big deal. And that was one of many things that I would uncover that somehow I talked myself into thinking it was not a big deal. Did you ask him who the woman was or just now? Yeah, I I can't remember when I asked him if it was right after I found it or a little bit after. I also didn't want him to think that I was, like, snooping around, even though he told me, like, oh, go look at my dresser. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he said something like, oh, it's just a friend of mine that helped me out because she had a good credit score or whatever. I'm like, okay, you know, of course you're going to have an explanation mm-hmm. for it. Um, you know, looking back, I'm like, you, you had everything all planned out here. I met one of his friends that he – all of his lady friends he met doing personal training. Shocker. Yeah, of course. Um, and I met – right. I met one of them because apparently they're really good friends. And he, like, had her and a couple other people over for this little, like, barbecue at his apartment. And I came over and met her. And her name's Michelle. I don't care about changing her name or anything. So I met Michelle and – we were, you know, drinking, having a good time, you know, typical college party situation. Um, basically, somehow the night escalated to this like casual or from this casual party to this 
all-out shit show where somehow Michelle ended up kicking a door in at his apartment because she was mad at him because she found out that he and I were sleeping together and she thought that she was the only one. And it was this whole, it was like this love triangle situation that I wanted zero part of. And I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Like I can just go home. Did but you know that anyway, they were like, sleeping the cops together? Were called. Um, I suspected it. And at that point I was like, whatever, like I'm not in a relationship with this guy. You know, yeah. it's, it's a casual thing at that point. Anyway. So like the cops were called and it was this whole big thing. And again, <laughs> should have been one of my red flags, but it wasn't <laughs> really March is when I started to kind of realize like, this isn't, this isn't a normal relationship. Like there's, there's some control factors going on here. Um, in March, I, went out to a shooting range with a friend of mine just to, you know, do some target practice and, you know, kill some time. Um, and it was a guy friend and a couple other people. And this was, you know, literally just a guy friend. So I went shooting with him and I didn't have service out where we were. And I was gone for probably six, eight hours in the evening. And when I was driving home and got back to where I had cell service, he had blown up my phone with all sorts of messages like, I can't believe you would do this to me. You are, you know, being such a tramp and spending time with all of these guys. And I don't even know what you're doing. And how dare you not like get a hold of me to tell me where you are and then try to spin it around like it was like it was my fault. Like I w- I'm so worried about you, you know, and at that moment I was like, this, this isn't normal. <laughs> you know, that well, you also weren't in a, a relationship. Whole... Yeah, we weren't. In, and I had specifically asked him at that point, cause he was kind of making it seem like things were getting serious. And I was like, look, like what's, what's going on here? Like, what are we? And he refused to put a name to anything. He's like, we're just friends. So I'm operating under the assumption that we're just friends. And then he pulls stuff like this. I'm like, okay, yeah. this, this is, this is not how friends treat each other. It, no. Even if we were in a relationship, this is not how like a healthy relationship functions. Um, and again, somehow between what he was saying to me and the the mind tricks going on in my own head, I was like, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't have gone and I should have told you where I was. And somehow it became my fault. April, I went on a little vacation down to Southern California with my best friend. And we went down to see my brother and his fiance. They lived down there and we went to Venice beach and we're doing all these, you know, fun, typical touristy Southern California things. And I posted a picture on my Instagram with, you know, my friend and I in bikinis on the beach and, and, you know, just having a great time. And as soon as I posted it and he knew I was here, So, you know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. a big deal. I was with a a female friend and going to see my brother. So he didn't lose his mind over (laughs) that. Um, But I posted this picture of me in a bikini and he went off about me in a bikini. And then the thing that sticks out to me the most was he said something along the lines of like, I don't know why you're wearing a ponytail. You know, I hate when you wear a ponytail in your hair. And I was like, what? You get to dictate how I wear my fucking hair. Are you kidding me? This is and like Jonah. Did you see the Jonah Hill text controlling yes, his girlfriend? Yes, I did. And 
it's crazy because I literally felt like I was taken back in time to 2016. Yes. Yes. And in, and in the, the scope of like, like righteousness, like self-righteousness almost like, you know, I'm doing this to help you better yourself. It's so weird. Bullshit. And I think it's so much more common than people think or people realize I'm really glad that things like the Jonah Hill texts are, you know, kind of becoming more public and, and topics like this are able to be discussed more freely now because it's, it's really prevalent. It's scary. I can't remember how it came about, but after I did my little Southern California vacation, um, he was like, oh, I have a friend that lives in Southern California. We're going to, you know, stay at their apartment and, you know, we can have our own little beach vacation just the two of us it's gonna be really fun we'll spend the weekend down there and I was like all right that that sounds fine let's let's do it so we hop in his Range Rover and I'm driving let uh, let me point this out I'm in all of this time I'm the one driving us around either in my vehicle or his vehicle because this motherfucker doesn't have a driver's license no way he's like 10 years older than me this motherfucker doesn't have a driver's license how does and he have the Range Rover? Did, did he just, did he never drive the Range Rover? It'll all, it'll all make sense at the end. <laughs> Trust me. No, well, he he did drive sometimes, but just would take side streets and be super shady about like, you know, not getting pulled what over or whatever. Fuck? Anyway, so he didn't have a driver's license. Um, I also learned that he can't vote. And so, I mean, that kind of tells Did you me, ask him though, at I this mean, point, he, why do you have a Range Rover if you don't drive you know what I didn't I didn't and I knew in my head like this is not adding up it's not adding up at all but I was like no you're overthinking it this is all in your head like it's fine everything's fine I mean it's giving major red flags it's not giving sex traffic though fully yet not yet not yet (laughs) I mean I'm very fortunate that it never got to the point where it was like full like I'm in a trafficking situation but yeah, yeah, it yeah, gets to that point so we hop in his Range Rover and start driving down to Southern California and we get there in the evening um, and we go up to this apartment and I'm like somebody's here like this isn't just the two of us somebody's here and he's like oh yeah I didn't tell you Michelle's staying with us too the same woman that was at his apartment no that way. kicked the door in. Yes. And what the I fuck? was mad. I was like, are you kidding me? I just drove all the way to like five hours to Southern California to spend time with you. And you're telling me that this other woman that you've literally been sleeping with is also staying with us. Really strange. And I was and at that point I was like, Did I don't she care how mad there? you're gonna be at me for being mad at you. Yes and no. Um she kind of bounced back and forth between Southern California and the valley at that point, if I'm remembering correctly, mm-hmm. but she was down there pretty frequently. Um anyway, so without getting into too much graphic detail, um I was more or less guilted like guilt tripped into participating in some very adult activities that I would not have otherwise wanted to be a part of 
Yeah. And that crazy, right? And that kind of went on throughout the entire with, yeah, with both of them, with both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that went on throughout the entire weekend. And I just remember thinking, like, you have no way to get home. Like, Mm -hmm. you are stuck here. No one knows that this is going on. Like, do what you need to do to get back home and get out of this situation because this do is you, not going to end well. Do you like well him? Like, you do you still have a crush on him? It's really hard to explain. Um, at that point, yes, because people like this, abusers like this, are so charismatic and charming and know exactly when they've pushed things a little too far and they can turn on that charm and kind of reel it back in and they always have excuses for their actions or for things that you see as faults there's always a reason why they are right and why they are better so it was it was a really unhealthy dynamic that I just was too young and naive to recognize really I mean this was you know almost eight years ago so I'm looking back on this with a a little more world experience but yeah yeah at that time I mean I was I knew that what happened wasn't right and Mm -hmm. shouldn't have happened but at the same time I was like you know I could have said no and I didn't have to participate even though in my head I was like you do know the repercussions if you wouldn't have like you're you were mm-hmm. stuck down here with this guy you don't know what he's capable of so that was that situation i feel like i'm glossing over that because that was such a weird situation um what was we the age gap between you two about 10 years okay yeah i mean it sounds like he years, used just the, that power dynamic too Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it was it was always the, you know, I, I have more life experience, experience. than you. Yeah. I can help you. Yeah, that situation. So it was, the whole relationship was a myriad of power dynamics and just, you know, really unhealthy control over me. Um, but when we got back to, when we got back home from Southern California, I brought it up to him. I was like, hey, that was fucked up. Like that should not have happened. And I, you know, I don't really know what to, what to think of you or what to do anymore. And I don't remember how he did it. And I don't remember what he said. This is kind of one of those things that is blocked out in my brain for whatever reason. But he was like, he made me feel like, well, you, I thought you wanted this. I thought you wanted to go on a vacation with me. I thought that, you know, you wanted to make me happy and turned it around to make it like I wanted it. And like I asked for it when I had no idea it was even going to happen until I was five hours away from home. Yeah, I don't know how you can justify not telling someone that's that not only someone else is going to be on the trip, but the somebody that you're also sleeping with. Yes, yes. And it, I mean, looking back and like hearing myself say it out loud now, it sounds so obvious so obvious but I don't know how they do it but these these guys and women too it can be women I don't want to discriminate but statistically speaking men know exactly what they're doing and exactly how to act to keep you in their game and that's exactly what was happening so 
May is when it, when shit really hit the fan. Um, the beginning of May, it, May 1st, actually, was when we drove back from Southern California from that shit show vacation back home. Mm-hmm. And we were in the parking lot of a grocery store. I remember this so vividly. We were in the parking lot of a grocery store. It was like 11 o'clock at night. We were stopping to grab just some road snacks and, you know, whatever else to, to get us through our drive and get us home. And we had been talking about like personal finances and just like, you know, general, um, you know, my, I was working a part-time job and was trying to save money. And I was like, man, you know, I'm really stressed. I just, I don't have a lot of savings. I have all this stuff that I want to do. And I just feel like I'm never going to get there. And then he throws in that he has this friend that lives in Vegas and helps a whole slew of women get a whole bunch of money. And it's a really lucrative business. And, and I think that you would be a really great person to work with him. And as soon as those words came out of his mouth, because it was right after everything that happened in Southern California, yeah, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I know what you're doing. You, you are literally trying to send me to Vegas to fucking pimp me out. Crazy. And it was a conversation that, I mean, he went, he went into detail about it and about, you know, they what these women do or don't do, how much money they make, what their schedule is. Like he knew all of these like nitty gritty details about this operation that no regular person should. And was like, yeah, we can make a trip out there and like, see how you like it. Just give it a test run. He was saying things like, you'll like, literally I'm going to take you to Vegas and fucking traffic your ass. Yeah. Is, is the underlying message there yeah and i i remember so vividly and i talked about this in therapy after sitting in that car in the range rover in that grocery store parking lot just my my mind was spinning thinking what can you say to get out of this situation alive and to get home yeah like that was the only thing going through my head it was the craziest thing and like such a disassociating experience i felt like i was floating above the car like looking down on us trying to figure out like should should you run should you like go in the grocery store and call somebody should you just you know try to appease him and go home which is what ended up happening i, I kind of played it off like oh yeah you know i don't know if that's I don't know if that's really for me you know but we'll i guess we'll talk about it later we'll think about it. Oh, you know dear. totally played it off like yeah i guess i'll yeah. guess i'll think about it i guess i'll think about uh you know illegal sex acts but yeah, so we ended up going home, and that was one of the first nights that I stayed the night at my apartment because I'd been staying at his place for a while, and mm-hmm. I made up some bullshit excuse that you know I had class early in the morning or I had a paper due or something. I was like, I'm so sorry, I have to stay at my place, and naturally he was furious because that didn't mm-hmm. fit in his agenda. Um, but yeah, I stayed the night at my place and kind of just sat on that all night. I was like. I'm not in a good place with this guy. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in this pretty deep. I need to figure out how to claw myself out of this pit. Yeah. So at that point I figured the, the best course of action would be to kind of just play everything off. Like nothing was wrong. Cause I didn't want to 
turn on any alarms on his end mm-hmm. um, and kind of plan my escape a little bit more carefully. Um, and I knew that it was going to be pretty dangerous because, you know, just how he had reacted in the past. And I actually, I was listening to a podcast this morning and they mentioned a, a pretty staggering statistic that women are 70% more likely to be murdered mm. when they leave an abusive relationship and up to, up to two weeks after they leave. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I obviously didn't know that specific statistic at the time, but that premise was very deep in my head. Like, yeah. I could literally die. You know, I don't know what he's capable of. He obviously wanted to take me to Vegas. Like, what, you know, what else can he do? Um, so, let's see. So, pretty close after that, um, I was back at his house trying to, you know, keep things calm and was doing some dishes. I can't remember exactly how the situation came up, but... Um, I had just finished doing some dishes and was about to go and take a shower and get ready for work. And he goes in the kitchen and sees that I had left some water drops, literally left water drops on the edge of the kitchen sink, which was apparently like a pet peeve of his. Um, And he lost his fucking mind. He spun around from the kitchen towards me so fast and grabbed me by the throat and was like, don't you ever do that again. You're kidding. And then I must oh have seen the fear of God, God in my eyes because he let go of me. And then he was like, oh, I'm just kidding. Don't take me so seriously. What the Are fuck? Are you kidding me? I mean, he's obviously unwell. Are you like, kidding me? Oh, so unwell. So unwell. But I had always said, like, you know oh, he's, he's not, he's never done anything physical. Like obviously this is before the trafficking situation because I knew that was a shit show. But before that I was like, yeah, there's red flags, but he's never, you know, he's never hit me or anything like that. As soon as he put his hand on my throat, I was like, I'm out of here. I am done. Like there has to be a way to escape. So how did you, it was kind of a, a slow effort at first because I, there was a lot of shame and guilt around it for me because I knew that I put myself in this situation and mm-hmm. that I could have done things to change it. And I think that's something that probably a lot of people in, in similar abusive situations feel. Right after that, it was, it was about Mother's Day because my, my parents came to the area to visit me and we had a couple things planned. We were going to go to the zoo. There was a concert we were all going to. Um, and being with my family after that was such a huge juxtaposition for me. Like, yeah, I'm sure a safe, loving environment that I was raised well, in. You had, you had been in this abusive bubble that like was a slow burn, and yes, yeah, totally a slow burn. And, and I mean, it really doesn't seem like it. You know, looking at my timeline, it was like over a matter of months. But it's it's totally like the analogy of a frog in a pot of water slowly being boiled to its death, and it doesn't realize it. You know, that's the epitome of these kind of situations. Um, So I, looking back at that point, I should have been like, mom, dad, take me home with you right now. Like shit's getting crazy, but I didn't. Um, And I went back to my apartment, back to classes, everything. And um, I was having issues with my car. It was some like minor issue. And he he had done some mechanical work before. 
So he's like, I'll bring it over to my apartment. I'll, I'll get it fixed up for you and we'll get you on your way. And I go, okay, cool. You know, that saves me a couple hundred bucks at a mechanic that I already didn't have. Yeah. So I take my car over to his apartment and he's working on it for a little bit. And he comes back inside and he's like, I wasn't able to really get it figured out. I, um, you know, I, I, I looked around, I'll do some, do some research and see what I can do. So I'm like, all right, that's, that's fine. Um, and I tried to go to work the next day and I go out to my car and it wouldn't start. That's weird. That wasn't the issue with it before. And I looked and he had taken the battery out of my car. Like no way. The entire battery was removed. Mm-hmm. So he took he the battery out of my car. I don't even know. I have no idea to this day. So I went back in and I was like, hey, where the fuck is my battery? I probably didn't say it like that, but like, hey, where's the battery in my car? Like, how am I supposed to get to work? And he's like, oh, you can, I'll I'll just drop you off at work and then I'll pick you up. He wanted to make sure he knew where I was. He knew where I was. He wanted that control. Yeah. So that was kind of the status quo for a few days. He would take me to work or I would take his car to work and then back. Um, And, you know, that way he always knew where I was. He always knew where his car was because he told me a thousand times that I have a GPS tracker on it and, and all this stuff. So, you know, another, another facet of the control. Um, later in May, we did a little day trip to Yosemite. And do you want to guess who accompanied us on this trip to Yosemite? No way. Fucking Michelle. Michelle. (laughs) Again, I didn't know she was going to come with us, but she crashed our day trip. I mean, I and I do not mean this in a judgmental way, but you had kind of made this decision like, I've got to get myself out of this. Did you have a second thought of like, you know, maybe I'll try hard, try something different? Like, why did you go to Yosemite? It was at that point very much just trying to maintain a facade that I didn't know anything and that I didn't think anything was wrong because I, I kind of started to drop some hints previously and it went very poorly. So at that point I knew I was like, I need to pretend like there is nothing wrong and then literally just disappear this point was me trying to pretend that everything was fine. So we, we do this day trip to Yosemite and he was off pouting about something. Cause he got, he got upset. He got his feelings hurt all the time. He would go off and pout. So this is one of those times he went off and pouted and left just Michelle and I alone for a while. Yeah. And throughout this, um, you know, throughout this past couple months, I had, talked to Michelle a little bit and realized that she was in a very similar situation with him Mm -hmm. that I was. Um, He was exploiting her for rent money and telling telling her that he needed money for a car payment. So you and Michelle have this bonding moment. Yeah, we have this bonding moment and realize that we're both totally being fucked over by this guy and abused by this guy. And she was like, you need to get out. Like she was a little bit older than me. So she was like, you, you are young. You need to run. You need to not get tied up with this guy. Yeah. I'm, you know, she was saying that she's kind of tied up financially with him. I don't know what they, what situations they had going on, but she's like, it's going to be a little more work for me, but like, girl, you need to fucking run. Mm -hmm. And at that point it was, 
a total awakening for me because it was this other woman that was in literally the same situation as me saying you need to leave or it's not going to end well. So literally on the drive home from Yosemite, I texted my parents because I knew if I texted my parents what was going on, that I was going to be held accountable for leaving and I wouldn't have a choice. So I texted both my parents and I was was like, hey, I'm going to preface this with I'm fine. I'm physically okay, but I'm in a really bad situation with this guy and I need you guys to come and pick me up from the city that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And... Of course, they tried to blow me up with a whole bunch of different questions. And I was like, no, you need to just chill and just mm-hmm. get here. Yeah. So we get back and I stay the night at his apartment again just to, you know, make it seem like nothing was wrong because the last thing I wanted was for shit to hit the fan right before I was Wait, about to escape. you were so scared. Yes. Yeah. So he, we planned it so my parents would get there right after he left his apartment for going to the gym to do some personal training for another woman that he was probably fucking they get there to his apartment and i literally take all of my shit from his apartment throw it in a trash bag throw it in my parents truck and they took (coughs) sorry they took me around the corner and dropped me off at a starbucks just to get me out of there in case he came back for whatever reason And then Mm -hmm. they called a tow truck to his apartment and had my car towed to a local shop because it didn't have the battery still. Oh, my God. So they got me and we left back to my hometown, which was like four hours away. Mm -hmm. And I stupidly left him a note in his apartment because I was like, well, I don't want him to think that I'm dead. No, I do want you to think that I'm dead. <laughs> you know, like looking back what at it, please say? forget that I exist. Um, I can't remember. It was it was basically like, hey, I know a lot more than you think you know. Everything has been super fucked up and please don't try to contact me. Like I'm safe, but bye. Yeah. Um, that didn't, yeah, that did not work out well <laughs> because he started blowing up my phone blowing up my email blowing up my parents phones like trying to get he had had their number because he went um to my hometown with me to visit one time because we wanted to do a beach trip and i grew up by the beach so Uh it was you know, it just kind of worked out and he met my family and he, I don't remember how he got their numbers, but he got their numbers somehow. I think just my mom's. Um, anyway, so yeah, he started blowing me up and then started saying like, I'm on my way down to see you. And he knew where my parents' property was and like where, where I lived. So the entire drive home, I was like looking out the back window of the truck making sure i didn't see range rover headlights behind us and like panicking that he was going to somehow you know make it there before us or or meet us there or something um so yeah he kept saying i'm I'm gonna come down and see you like we're gonna we're gonna work all this out it's gonna be fine you're gonna come back and i was terrified that i was going to have to deal with him being there and my parents were like, we'll, we'll, we'll take you to the sheriff's department. We'll get a restraining order. Yeah. Yeah. And I was 
so scared of him and how he would react to me getting a restraining order that I couldn't. I I remember sitting in the parking lot of the sheriff's department with my mom and dad, just bawling, saying I didn't want to get it. I didn't want to file for a restraining order. And I, I didn't, I couldn't verbalize why at the time. So I think it was probably really confusing to them. Like, why the fuck wouldn't you want to get a restraining yeah. order against a psycho? But I was so scared that once he realized it, he would come down there and find me. Yeah. Like that was, that was the reality of the situation in my head. Um, so luckily he never came down or at least didn't find me, I guess. Um, Oh, I have to show you one of the things or tell you one of the things that he sent me via email after I blocked his phone number. Um, so I blocked his phone number initially Uh and then he made like 3000 different other phone numbers that he was texting me from. Um, so he was, he always had a way to get a hold of me. No matter how many times I blocked him, he would make a new number, make a new email, just any way that he could try to reach me, he would. But one of the things that he sent me, um, in my email when he was trying to like, trying to like win me over or, you know, make me come back. He said, can I go see you? I really miss you, Kayla. But then the attachment, I don't know if you can I don't know if you can see that. There's no better feeling than laying next to the person you love and they don't know you love them yet or that you're in their house again. That's bizarre. How fucking creepy is that? So creepy. Like, basically, I'm going to be in your house laying next to you and you won't know I'm there. Or like, you, like fucking creepy. Yeah. Anyway, I, th- I thought that was really funny. I found that when I was like going through my old emails, kind of trying to recreate oh everything. God. And I was like, wow. So how did how did um, you get him to just disappear in the end? Because I take it he's not part of your life now. No, fuck no. Um, <clears throat> I don't really know. I know my last email from him was in july sometime in july i don't remember though i i think it was just i finally got well for a little while i was replying to his text and replying to his emails and being like hey you need to stop trying to contact me and Mm -hmm. like trying to be amicable about it for whatever reason um and I finally got to the point where I was so sick of his bullshit and, like, him threatening to kill himself and, like, all this other yeah. stuff trying to get me to come back that I was, like, I I can't – I'm not doing this anymore. So I literally blocked every single number that he contacted me from. I wouldn't answer calls or answer texts from numbers I didn't recognize. I stayed off of my email. I stayed off of social media. I basically, like, went MIA for a little while. Mm-hmm. And just was with my family and worked a little bit and, you know, was basically just trying to live my life and move on. Um, And I think... Did you report him to the gym or anything? I wish I would have reported him to the police, but I didn't. Um, I I did report him to the gym because he was actually training there. He he was a personal trainer there, but he Mm -hmm. wasn't licensed. So you're supposed to have like certifications or licensors or whatever. Um, And he didn't have those. So I contacted him. I contacted the gym owner and was like, hey, like, this is what's going on. Like, this is this is my personal shit show that this guy has put me through. And he's training a bunch of women at your gym. And by the way, he shouldn't even be a personal trainer. So he actually got kicked out of that gym, which was kind of 
like a, a vindicating moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but the the only time that I called the police was when my mom and I went back to my old apartment in that area, probably a month mm-hmm. later, to get the rest of my stuff out. We didn't tell him that we were there or that we were coming or anything like that. Um, and as we were making trips back and forth to the car to load my stuff up, I start seeing his Range Rover circling what? my apartment building. I, I can't tell you why. A month later. Or how he found out. A month later. That's crazy. I don't know how he found out we were there, but he started blowing up my phone saying, I know you're there. Come out and talk to me. Like, we can make this work. I, I just want to apologize. And naturally, my mom is freaking the fuck out because there's this psychopath circling your daughter's apartment building. But so that was the only time that I called the police. I called the police and said, hey, like, this guy is stalking me, essentially, and Mm -hmm. harassing me. And, you know, I I don't want him here. And unfortunately, there was nothing they they could do because there were no, you know, prior incidents. It was on public property, like. There wasn't anything they could do. So we just waited it out and waited until he left and then booked it back to my parents' house as fast as we could. Yeah. That was the last time that I saw him or his vehicle. Um, and then, What's the last time that you heard from him? Yeah, the last time. The last time I heard from him was... You know, the last time I heard from him... That I can remember or that I can immediately recall was in July. Um, July of that year. Now that we're talking about it, July of that year. Um, now that we're talking about it, though, I, it's funny how how trauma memories work. Yeah. Um, I remember getting a text or an email or some digital communication from him a couple of years after. And I can't remember what it said. I think it was a very general, like, hey, just wanted to see how you were doing, you know, small talk, bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. And I noped the fuck out of there real quick and blocked whatever number email it was. Um, yeah, that's funny. I, I, didn't, I didn't remember that until now. And that was after I had met and started living with my now husband. How did you navigate? So that was, or- that was kind of a strange how did you trust someone after this? That's a really good question. Um, I still have trouble with it, honestly. Uh, a lot of therapy. That's That's been a huge thing for me. And really just a lot of working on, on myself and personal growth, which sounds like so woo-woo and so cliche. But really being able to like stop and think about things that are triggering me or or behaviors that I'm doing and trying to figure out the why behind them has really been what's helped me the most. You know, if I'm if I'm having issues, you know, if my husband and I are arguing about something stupid, I'll I'll step back and be like, okay, is there a trigger behind this for me? Is that why I'm upset? And and nine mm-hmm. times out of ten, there's something behind that. Yeah. So I've had to get really good at kind of looking into the ugly parts of myself mm-hmm. and recognizing how those are affecting me now. And then most importantly, making sure I communicate that to my husband and being like, Hey, this is, this is a thing from my past. It has nothing yeah, to do with you, but that's, you know, 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it has been really hard, though. It's something that I still struggle with. And honestly, if to this day, if I see a dark gray Range Rover, I kind of mm. feel like I'm going to puke still. Or if yeah. I see someone that has like the same gait or the same like physical stature, you know, for a split second, I'll get that like adrenaline, Scared. like fight or yeah. flight. And then I'm like, okay, no, I'm fine. I'm safe. So it's crazy how those things affect you so much after the fact. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, we'll see what else. Thank you for telling that paper. story. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting one. It's kind of it weird is. hearing it, it like all laid out like that. No, I, it has a lot of like very key points, and I think uh, unfortunately things like this aren't like closed. Like, there's no real closure because you had to just cut off communication and just mm-hmm. move forward with your life, and that's very yeah. very difficult. And I yeah, think you're it's right. not like a traditional breakup. Yeah, and this probably does happen more than we know. Yeah. Oh, do you want to know the best part? Yeah, go for it. When after I had left, it was probably two months. Two months after, and he was still harassing me via, via email. Mm-hmm. I got a message from some woman that he had you know same situation a few years ago that was basically trying to reach out and be like hey be careful with this guy like Mm -hmm. you know kind of girl code situation i never actually knew his real name the entire time the entire time i was with this guy for you know six months seven months whatever i didn't know his name he told me it was one name and that's not his name. Did you have you like re- looked into him since then? Yeah, he has a felony record. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, um, yeah. which is why he didn't have a driver's license and why he couldn't vote. And yeah, did you ever find out who the stuff. woman was who did his car? Oh yeah, it was another lady that he was fucking to get money. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> Checks out, right? Jeez. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm so wild. glad that. You were able to get out of that. And I think calling your parents was the best move possible. And that, you know, mm-hmm. you, you just yeah. started a healing journey and now you can be in a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see, yeah. you know, how others. Thank you for letting me story. tell my story. Of course. Do you have yeah. a favorite restaurant you, you want to throw tell my story. I think it's, it's. Yes. Before we do that, I, I don't know if you actually want to use this or not but i typed up a little like soundbite message thing that i wanted to to read regarding abuse i always wondered how women got into situations with awful men like this and i knew that you know of course i was smart enough to never let this happen to me but they're always smarter they're charming funny charismatic manipulative narcissistic monsters are real and they exist all around us They might be dating your best friend. It might be your sister's boyfriend. They could be what caused your coworker's black eye. Ask the uncomfortable questions. Be vigilant of sudden changes to people you know. And let your friends know that you're there for them no matter what. Speak up if something feels wrong because it could save someone's life. That's great. Thank you for reading. All right. Favorite restaurant. It's going to (laughs) be... It's going to be um, a restaurant in Ventura, California, where my family and I used to vacation all the time. Um, It's called Johnny's Mexican Food on Ventura Ave. 
and it is by far the best Mexican food I've ever had in my life. My go-to order, everything is good. I love a good burrito from there, but every single time I go, I have to get a chicken flour taco. Amazing. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and follow the podcast wherever it is you listen to it so that we can bring you more unexpected stories by ordinary people. And if you didn't like the episode, forget what I just said and just please don't tell anyone.